The number one eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhallwealth.com. That's a website you need for all of the things having to do with this show. Physical metals, that's where you want to go. Your one stop, guildhallwealth.com. RSPs, registered accounts, physical metals, the e-store. It's all at that website. Reminder as well as we get into the uh, topic and conversation of using your registered accounts for physical metals. Uh, for every five grams, uh, well, you receive five grams of gold for every $25,000 or more U.S. invested in that account. Some uh, details Need to be looked at at the website. A uh, big update from last week, Jeremy. Silver. Yeah, right after we finished the show, we tape on Thursdays. Right. And um, that evening, just as the Japan market was opening, which is a really quiet time, um, the uh, Asian market hasn't quite woken up yet, right. and everyone else has gone home from Australia, and then boom, the market experienced a massive, massive sell order of silver into the market, and that created, uh, using obviously through uh, high re- high frequency trading, uh, a flash crash in silver. So that's something that we want to talk about today, okay. just to kind of go through an anatomy of a of a flash crash in Excellent. the silver market, um, amongst other stories. And then, of course, beyond that, everything gets extremely bullish. So it's a very uh, interesting development in the market. But yeah, so you know, look, last Thursday um, the market opened and some hundred and fifty. Sorry, $450 million worth of silver was sold in one shot. And what that did is it triggered a slew of stop sell orders. Mm -hmm. So stop loss orders are in the market just in case people put those in so that they go to bed. And if something happens, you know, they get out of the market right away. That sell order gets put into the market. And it's automated, of course. And it's it's automated. So when that sell order gets triggered and the market's going lower, that order has to be filled and so it, it'll end up getting filled at a much lower price. So even though you might want to get out of the market, let's say the price of silver was six, trading at 16, right. let's say you had that stop sell order in at 1575. Okay. It gets triggered at 1575, but the market's moving down so fast, you might not get out until the price is below $15. Wow. Or lower if that's what happens. So that's what that's what these events are, are are planned in advance to try to create is momentum to the downside by using the high frequency hmm. algorithmic trading. So that's what we saw. We saw the market go down from roughly $16 down to a low of $14.35 and back up to above $15.50 all within a matter of uh, literally seconds. It was under that's a minute. Crazy. I think they stopped trading for about 10 seconds. But here's what we know. We know that Number one, nobody has that much metal lying around to sell. They just don't. We know because the market's tight and we're going to talk about supply demand in this market. So we know that this was not actual physical mark, physical product being uh, changing hands in this market. It was just literally paper trades into the market. We also know that nobody could buy physical metal below around 1550 I know Paul tried to buy product. He was right on it because he's always watching the price. He was he was online trying to put through his order. Didn't happen. He ended up being being able to fill a physical order right. uh, above fifteen fifty. I think he got in at fifteen, uh, yeah, fifteen fifty ish or something like that. Mm-hmm. Fifteen forty five maybe. Um, we also know that nobody in their right mind would want to sell four hundred and fifty million dollars worth of product at one shot knowing that you would not get 
the best price sure. for it, right? If you wanted to sell a massive quantity of stock, for example, you would sell off in small increments so that you could maintain the price level because everyone generally wants to sell high, not low. Mm -hmm. So that's a very curious thing. What we also know is that regulators were complicit because they didn't regulate the market. They didn't say anything about the market until this week. And what they did end up saying was very, very interesting, um, as we'll find out from uh, one of the, is it the CEO of, of the CME, I believe. So no one is going to sell that much silver in one shot and obviously get a low price. That just doesn't make sense. Again, we know regulators were complicit. And if that's the case, we know that the government sanctioned it to a great extent. And this is the U.S. government. Um, we also know that now the result of this recent flash crash in the market has resulted in hedge funds being short and swap dealers being long which is usually the reverse. And that leads into the fact that the commitment of traders report, which shows how much futures and, and uh, how many uh, future longs and future shorts are in the market. We also know that the COT report shows us that this is probably uh, the most bullish we've seen in precious metals in several years. Mm. Um, and we also know, given this and talking more into the show about supply and demand, that there is a very real short supply of silver right now in the market. And we know that, uh, and we'll get more into details on it, but we also know that just because we're extremely backordered at Guildhall and we're not a sovereign buyer. We're not a, you know, we're a, a pretty small fish in the global industry for precious metals, but we're backordered well over six weeks for, uh, for product. And we don't go to just one source for it. We go to several sources for precious metals and we know that there's a major short. So that's what we saw this week or last week in the market. And we know what it's going to create going forward. And we'll get into again, a lot more detail, but we know that uh, again, since the regulators look the other way, that it had to be a central bank or government entity. And I, I use those separately because the central bank in the U.S. is not a government entity. Right. It's owned privately. People think it is. Um, they're not elected, right? Same with Bank of International Settlements. Those people aren't elected. They're not government. They're beyond government. So, But they work with government. And uh, obviously, if you look at the, the Federal Reserve and who owns the Federal Reserve and their their minion banks, and they've all infiltrated into into the U.S. government. So you kind of figure out, well, who's who? You have to kind of say them separately. It leads to really why. Why would, and we've seen it all before, and maybe longtime listeners of the show already know what the answer is, but why would an entity want to push the price of silver down not the physical market, just the paper price of, of silver, and knowing that no one could actually buy it at those low prices, right. is more about the U.S. dollar than it is about the price of gold, or silver for that matter. And this is where we kind of get into, does the earth revolve around the sun, or does the sun revolve around the earth when it comes to precious metals? you look at a gold chart and see what gold is doing in a majority of currencies, you'll see it's up in a majority of currencies. But what that's actually reflecting is that the, those currencies are losing value against gold. Gold is a longstanding asset. It's been around for 5,000 years. It is the barometer of a financial system and 
a, a currency. So the U.S. dollar is in dire straits. Uh, many analysts are saying that it's it's peaking, it's reached a top, it's cresting uh, its strength right now, and should be going into steep decline over the next few years. We look at the debts in the U.S., how much money they're printing, and we say this dollar is not worth anything. But if you're a country that's holding U.S.-denominated debt, securities, uh, treasuries, bonds, you have an issue. You have an issue with a country that you're seeing printing tons of money that is reaching over $20 trillion in debt, and you're wondering, well, do I really want to be holding on to these U.S. dollars in, in the bank here? And they say, we've got to start hedging. What's the best place to hedge? Gold. And that's why you see Russia buying gold, China buying gold, and many other central banks buying gold. And then you also look at another thing, which is, as an example, you see these um, the, the Fed will do uh, their, their bond auctions and the treasury auctions. No one can buy them. Italy can't buy treasuries right now. They don't have any money. So the Fed's buying it themselves. So when the Fed is buying back its own money that it's trying to issue, you've got a problem. And so peop countries around the globe know this. They're starting to trade in, in fiat currencies outside of the dollar, and the dollar is losing its hegemony. It's losing its power. P everyone knows it around the globe. It's exactly like 1971 when, um, when de Gaulle is saying, okay, I, I see what you're doing. You're printing a ton of money, and the price of gold is still at $35 an ounce, and we can redeem the gold. Give me the gold. I don't want the dollar. That's worthless. Give me the gold. I know what it's worth, and it's undervalued. And so, of course, what they did in the U.S. at that time is they shut the gold window, said, nope, we'll give you the cash. You can figure out gold on your own. Hmm. And that's what they're doing in this market. So instead of figuring out a way to make the dollar strong, it's Let's kill the messenger. Let's kill the canary in the coal mine so that people don't think that that's happening. And what it does is, on the one hand, it it scares off potential investors. That's a natural inclination. Most people are going to buy at much higher prices than they would at lower prices. It can frustrate some longtime investors who've been in the market. But for many others, you start seeing investors licking their lips because they have an opportunity to buy at the lower price. And that's where this ultimately goes. This can't keep going on for a, for a long time or in perpetuity because every time the market goes down in price, people who understand value and understand history know that no fiat currency lasts forever. They have a terrible record against gold. Gold is, is the last asset standing in, in almost every case of history. And so they buy gold for the long term, silver for the long term. They want to pick up that physical commodity at the lower price because eventually this U.S. dollar is going to start tanking. And by the way, this is exactly what needs to happen because if countries are going to pay off their debts that they owe to the U.S. and U.S. dollars, they'd love to do it with, with a weak U.S. currency. And if the U.S. wants to pay off its debt, it's going to have to do it by weakening its currency. So mm. the U.S. is slowly pushing itself into a corner 
and this is like a last stand type of issue. So we're very happy to see, you know, we don't like seeing it. It's a frustrating thing to see in the market, but ultimately it makes the fundamentals more bullish and ultimately it gives people a buying opportunity. And that's what we want to do at Guildhall is offer people the ability to buy physical precious metals. That's what we do. It's what we focus on, whether you're buying it in your RSP, whether you're buying it online, whether you want to come to the office and, and pick out your product and take it home or buy it and store it in a in a depository. Mm-hmm. It's what we do at Guildhall. It's all about the physical. And when you see prices drop like this, you've got to you've got to just load the boat. Darren, what do we got coming up in the uh, second segment as we go into a uh, quick break here? We're going to spend a little time talking about real estate in Ontario. A couple of new reports out about foreign buyers and the percentage that they make up of the buying market over the short term. Spend a little bit of time talking about, John, how this flash crash is in silver in particular, really, really a good segue to discuss where we are in terms of our stance on silver going forward. And better yet, don't take our opinion for it. Where's the mainstream media at? Let's use some examples of people in the mainstream that people might know that listen to this show or have heard of and see what they think about it. And we're going to talk more about how to get metals into your registered accounts. This is a topic of great interest for us. One important thing that we want to discuss in this show is going to be registered education savings plans. Those are an awesome way to get a kickstart for your children in terms of their college tuition, university tuition, and uh, it all starts now with the summer almost approaching the halfway point. We're going to uh, want to focus on the kids getting back to school. No better time than starting an RESP. In depth, all those details and more. In the meantime, the numbers we go to break one eight seven seven eight silverguildhallwealth.com online. Again, registered accounts, read about it online. Get the precious metal advisor and the uh, the investor kit as well. Also, very handy tools, which we'll get into uh, later in the show as well. And for now, if you are using a registered account like an RESP or a TFSA, especially uh, for every twenty five thousand dollars US invested in one of those accounts, you will receive five grams of gold, courtesy of Guildhall. Details uh, apply. Go to the website for that. Real Money Show Talk Radio, AM six forty. One eight seven seven eight silver the number guildhallwealth.com. Make sure you check out how to use and how to read about uh, using your registered accounts to get physical, physical metals into those accounts and build uh, for the future indeed. The e store in the top right corner of the website as well. Darren, take it away, pal. Well as Jeremy was saying in the first segment, John, nobody really understands or knows how this flash crash in silver dropped the price seemingly down for a simple second or two to the price of around $14.30. But we can estimate what it took to do that. And Jeremy had mentioned $450 million US dollars worth of silver futures in a flash of a couple of seconds. That equates to just under 29 million ounces of silver at $16 an ounce. So we don't know why that happened. Some people call it the fat finger complex. And if somebody was trading and entered the wrong number or hit an extra zero, it could have pushed it down uh, towards a new level. And of course, we are very skeptical when we see these things happen, especially in the gold and silver market, because it's usually some type of ploy to get people to sell their physical holdings and those that had paper to be able to take their paper positions and convert them into physical. And usually that's the banks trying to get their hands on that physical product. So again, if you own physical product, there was no concerns. You didn't have any margin calls triggered if you don't have margin accounts. If you have your product in holdings in a depository, 
or if in a registered account you woke up and you were no word, uh, no less uh, interested in the product uh, than you were the day before because you woke up and yes, the price came down, but you didn't even see the crash. So again, some of our listeners might not even be aware that it happened, but it did. And at the time, you know, that this happened, we had just been completing the show and Jeremy and Paul did the show last week and finished up talking about a, n- a number of exciting things that were happening in the silver market and ways to take advantage of it. And more than ever now, again, they had mentioned the margin account opportunity, uh, something that's not for everybody, John, but if you look at it from a practical perspective, gives buyers the ability to use other people's money, especially when something is undervalued. And if you look back to the trends of 2016, we would never have been on the side that suggested 2017 might be a bearish year. Year for silver. If you just take one look at the trend, uh, early in this year, silver was up almost 9% before it gave up all of those gains and flushed back below a very important resistance level of uh, support level of $16. And of course, uh, some, you know, are still sitting on the sidelines saying, well, what's next? If I was going to buy at 16 and happy to buy at 16 and it's now 15 and change, I'd be waiting for 14 and change. Well, the fact is we're working on an article that hasn't been released yet, but so everybody's aware right now it's estimated that it's an approximate cost of around uh, just under $12 an ounce on average. If we look at a a big, huge span of everybody that produces gold, uh, I mean, silver and pulls it out of the ground in terms of mining companies, the cost per ounce to bring silver out of the ground just below $12 an ounce. And ultimately, Companies aren't going to go into business and have silver coming out of the ground if they can't make a living. So again, that in and of itself tells us, you know, and paints a picture for us and suggests where is the silver coming out of the ground that we have? Well, we know a few things. Number one is that there's only a handful of primary silver mines in the world. The 1980s literally wiped out off the face of the earth, all of the big mines that were in operation pulling silver out of the ground because it remained too cheap to do so. They couldn't make a profit when they could be putting the same effort into pulling uh, copper or zinc or other resources like gold out of the ground using the same mining methods. So, of course, people migrated to those other metals. And in the boom that we had in the late 90s and into the early 2000s, of course, resources were very necessary. So silver became primarily a byproduct and continues to be a byproduct of uh, mining in gold, mining in copper and zinc and lead. And so much so that 80% of the metal that's coming out of the ground on a yearly basis is a byproduct of those metals. So when we look at the overall picture, we certainly want to paint uh, a picture for our our clients and listeners that helps them understand and demonstrate where we stand in terms of total demand. And what we know right now in 2017 already is that from the world silver supply report that's come out just in this last quarter, 2016 wasn't a very friendly year for silver coming out of the ground. In fact, mine supplies dropped for the first time Since 2013, we had a negative as opposed to having met the amount of demand that we had. So there was a deficit that was created over the course of last year. Very bullish, of course, which led us to believe 2016 was a precursor to what 2017 would show in much, much higher prices. In addition to that, we also had an incredible instance of total silver supply declining 
And when you look at the overall supply, that decline in 2016 brought it to its lowest level of, of, of available above ground supplies since 2013. Not only that, as I mentioned before, that mine production, which was down in 2016, that's the first time in 14 years that that's happened. So this is all transpiring at the low end of the scale when silver is not 30 or 40 or $50 an ounce, when silver hasn't hit it's all-time high again like gold had done already so long ago. And ultimately, this is why we remain completely bullish, completely positive about where silver will go long-term. one eight seven seven eight silver online to guildhallwealth.com. What do you think, Jeremy? Yeah, you know, this is a, an example of the fact that you've got a physical market, you've got a paper price, and you know that the consequence of, of lowering the price for so long is to a detriment of price discovery, that the real price discovery is in the demand for the metal and, and in how much product is getting to market. And I would say that if you're also seeing low mine supply, that could also be in general that mine mine supply across many metals could be down. And so that also is a statement on the economy, which everyone is saying, so, or central bankers are saying is so great. But this comes down to price discovery. If, if people are buying the product at the lower price and they're buying more than their fair share at the lower price, and now you go into a deficit and the price keeps going down, eventually you run out of product to push the price down and you end up with almost like a black market type of, type of situation. We saw that in 2008 where... Um, the, the market went down so far in price that to find out where the actual physical price was, not the paper price, the physical price, you actually went onto eBay and you could see what people, mm. they say, well, yeah, I appreciate that the price was $9 an ounce, but if you actually want it, you're going to pay 18. That's where this is going to go ultimately, unless price discovery enters the market the physical market starts to dictate that that price and we see the price go significantly higher we understand how undervalued it is and how lack how much there's a lack of physical supply and how those two together are going to create a much much higher price when it, it could be tomorrow it could be next week it could be next year it could be 2 years from now the point is is to get a position even if it's a starter position, a small position, you want to get that position before it, it rockets up and you look back and you go, well, that was a missed opportunity. It's a missed opportunity. We've been talking about it for years to help people to get involved in that position. Well, that, that's the thing. It, it makes sense to buy now, but you said in the first segment, so many people, the common surf out there, oh, I want to buy now. I want to wait till some price starts going up. What kind of mentality is that? Why do people wait till it's $19 an ounce? Well, they do that because obviously it's the herd mentality. It's the same with a stock or things of that nature. We tend to trust the people that are closest to us. So to hear somebody on the radio that's speaking to you on a weekly basis talk about predominantly the same concepts week after week, I might be listening for two or three years before I actually take the plunge, and it might be two or three more before I actually see value in what I did. That's just the plight of this marketplace. It's why we've always maintained Johnson's day one. 
that somebody buying silver or gold not put all of their eggs in one basket unless they're a very confident investor. We don't sit here and suggest every week that somebody take, if they have 50000 to their name, every penny and dump it into silver hoping that they're going to have a windfall. That could ultimately happen someday and people in the past in these types of situations have become very wealthy because they were astute enough to take that advice from their friend, their colleague and invest in something that made sense. The thing that I love most about silver and gold is the underlying story. It's it's what fundamentals lie mm-hmm. below the ground. Our listeners know that the macroeconomic, the geopolitical, the currency situations that we're in around the world are completely positive for markets of gold and silver, but they too are just dumbfounded at the reasons why silver and gold have not moved much higher. Jeremy touched on the first in the first segment on what happened this week. There was a report on Fox News. A reporter was interviewing the chairman of the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, CME, and he basically just said, you know, what is happening in the resource market? And they talked about oil uh, to a great extent for about 10 minutes or so. And then he said, well, what about the other areas of resources like metals? And he says the, the, the chair, I'm paraphrasing, of the CME basically says, that's a great question because under the circumstances, an asset like gold should be trading right now in and around the two to 3,000 wow. range. But given the economic climate that we're in, it wouldn't surprise me and should be no surprise to people if gold had reached three to 5,000 by now. So even the people in the mainstream economy are suggesting that it should be that way. And when we come back from the next segment, we're going to talk about a, a justified plunge perhaps. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, something that we think is about to end and where we head from here and what else is happening in silver. We're going to talk about declining supply and a little bit about how silver is becoming a very well diversified industrial metal, which spells a huge amount of demand for the near future. That and we'll get to diamonds a little later on as well. Natural fancy color diamonds as part of this show, The Real Money Show. one 877 com is the website. Your registered accounts invest and learn how to use those to get physical metals into those accounts. And if you're doing so for every $25,000 U.S. invested, you'll get five grams of gold courtesy of Guildhall. Some conditions apply. Go to the website for more of those details. Real Money Show rolls on after short break. Talk radio, AM 640. One eight seven seven eight silver is the number. Guildhallwealth.com is the website. Your registered accounts, talking more about those, how to use those to get physical metal into those accounts. If doing so, for every $25,000 U.S. invested in that account, like a TFSA or an RESP, five grams of gold will be yours, courtesy of Guildhall. Uh, call them or uh, go to the website, guildhallwealth.com, for more details. Darren, you going to kick it off or Jeremy? Yeah, one of you. I'll uh, I'll start go. absolutely 100% yeah, by man. saying that in the diamond market, nothing has surprised me more than the amount of people these days that are calling us up and asking us about what color diamond investing is all about. Hmm. We've done this show since 2008, John, and we've talked about diamonds since day one. Yep. But now it seems to be that there's a small renaissance occurring in light of what people are reading in the mainstream media the amount of coverage that colored diamonds are getting and the amount of people that are buying colored diamonds, which is all expanding to a great extent in part thanks to shows like ours who, you know, when 2008 rolled around and we started doing the show talking about colored diamonds, seemingly this topic was something nobody knew about. I mean, even the mainstream investing crowd had no idea what colored diamonds could do. And now fast forward to 2017, 
I, I think that we're we're on the verge of probably uh, coming across one of the most incredible opportunities and moments in the history of pink diamonds with the Argyle mine coming to a close very soon within probably the next 36 months. And those holding pink diamonds, uh, certainly not a time to sell for now. I mean, if if you're looking for the maximum return, when all of a sudden 80% of the yearly supply gets turned off, guess what happens? Your diamonds that you're holding reach astronomical values based on the fact that there are no more available. So again, this is not surprising at all to see, again, even Vivid Yellows uh, higher in demand. And of course, we're spending some time talking about that today right here in the segment. The, the key for, for this is uh, what I think you're going to see going forward. Uh, we know from some of our partners uh, in the natural fancy color diamond market that some of the major jewelry chains, really high-end jewelry chains, are going to continue to push colored diamonds and start to really push some natural fancy color diamonds for some of these um, high-end jewelry stores. So... On the one hand, you're going to start to see more of a spotlight on colored diamonds. I think, again, the key to this where I was going to go is that the consumer is is getting more and more educated, and that's what we really want to see. We want to see natural fancy colored diamond buyers know what they're looking for and understand what what needs to be accomplished in order to acquire a really good quality diamond. Well, there's two words that are going to have to stand out with that, and that's investment grade. That's that's going to get lost in the wash at one point. Correct. And right? and I was I was showing a I was showing a, a client yesterday that there there's a lot of misinformation in this market. Uh, there's a lot of players in this market, mm-hmm. um, surprisingly, or I shouldn't say there's a lot of players. There's a lot of people. The attitude is. I can get that for you cheaper. And and that's something that people fall for. I can get you that cheaper. Well, you can get something like it cheaper, but you're not getting that. And ultimately, you have to see the diamond in person. You know, I know Paul will always say the diamond chooses you, but good quality is good quality and it's undeniable. Yes, we have an online selection our collection is a, is available online people can look at those diamonds and they're I, I like to think that they're good quality photos and mm-hmm. uh, and you can get a sense of what the diamond is but you really should see them in in person to to figure out okay is this a diamond that says something to me because if it says something to you it's going to say something to a lot of other people and you know what usually when a diamond meets really high standards high criteria and reaches that investment grade it has more to it. Now that's not always the case. I mean, I would, my biggest disappointment would be someone found an incredible diamond on paper, but it didn't show it in real life. Um, and and then they paid, they paid the paper price, not what, what was, what was showing in real life. And that's more to do with, let's say the color or just say the fire of the diamond. What we're doing at Guildhall is we're going out and acquiring diamonds that we know are reaching a really high standard. We know that the diamond has more to it than just what's on paper, but that it has to reach really exacting standards for us to to really want to invest in that diamond ourselves and then present it to potential investors and collectors. But as you said, Darren, there's definitely a renaissance. This market does move in waves and we are seeing people interested in getting involved in natural fancy colored diamonds as a way to protect and grow wealth. Yes, we're going to put that money aside for the next 15, 20 years and 
maybe we never sell it. Maybe it just becomes an asset in the family that just continues to grow, like some some art can continue to grow or real estate can continue to grow. This is that type of asset that can happen. But if our if our plans don't necessarily work out, this is an asset that has gone up. These natural fancy colored diamonds have gone up during the savings and loans crisis, during the dot-com bubble, during the subprime crisis, and whatever crisis happens next, these diamonds continue to rise in value because they are so incredibly rare. one silver is the number, guildhallwealth.com to check out that collection as well. And if we look at the comparison to other types of markets that one might put disposable investment income into, Right now, we're not having as much luck in those markets as I think people would like to think they might get, especially if you look at the real estate market in Ontario. I promise we would talk a little bit about it, but really, I'm not trying to balance one against the other because we have for a very long time at The Real Money Show believed that real estate should be one component of a person's portfolio if they have enough nerve and enough uh, confidence in their ability to hold on to an asset which is as convoluted and complex as a piece of real estate with all of the fees and transactions and the lawyers and everything involved and renters and having to make sure that the house is kept in good condition. I mean, any number of single events that occur, and I'll use my neighbor as an example, right across the street from us, and and we live north of the city, these are beautiful homes, executive homes that that are usually, uh, you have middle to upper middle class families. Mm -hmm. So it's not where the wealthy would live per se, but these are beautiful homes, all 3,000 square foot or larger homes. And my neighbor across the street decided he was going to buy another one of the homes on our street, have it as a speculative real estate opportunity. He bought that about 12 months ago and he had done very well for himself, had a family living in there for the entire year, which I think is now paying the mortgage. In fact, more than that, they were renting the house at $2,450 a month plus utilities, which is beautiful. I mean, that's a lot of money to make, but again, a very beautiful executive home, finished basement. 3,400 square feet, gorgeous home. And they had decided that they were going to move because dad got displaced. So they moved out about a week and a half ago. Talked to him yesterday. We're taping this show on Thursday. Talked to him on Wednesday. They had an initial assessment done on the house and they estimate that it's going to take approximately $20,000 to get the house ready for the next renter. Now, some of this is wear and tear that they could go after the renters for, but they only left a month's worth of deposit down on the house when they moved in. And I don't even think security deposits are, are legal, you know, to be honest with you. I don't even think that that's normal in the market. But really what he said was, there goes my entire year of earnings. So I earned lots on my mortgage and now I just gave it back. Now I got to re-drywall. I got to do a ton of things. There yeah. was holes, carpets were mm-hmm. ripped, you know, you name it. There's all kinds of things. Dishwashers broken. Nobody washes a rented car. That's it. And yeah. so <laughs> when we talk about the comparison of the two, we don't often talk about what the true value of my takeaway is when I sell that home. So yes, homes might go up 8, 10, 12% in a quarter, but what I give back and what I have to give in terms of turnover, in terms of my running costs for the house, in terms of my uh, insurance insurance and my increase in taxation Broker. on a year-to-year basis, lawyer, those things we don't weigh out. And what I love about having invested in Color Diamonds is that my diamond, my diamond sits in my safe, and of course, I don't have to worry about any of that. Yeah. 
It has no neighbors. Didn't except plunge for a a toilet. And gold. No, yeah. didn't plunge a toilet. Didn't have to talk to your neighbor about your neighbors moving out and how you have to put in $20,000 into it. That's so. true. It's a good point. Although I like this neighbor very much, but <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it turns out, you know, that it was a much easier thing. So what happens? This neighbor says, okay, make a spot for me next week. I'm going to come and see you about a colored diamond. So this is how it happens, John. People don't know much. They trust the people they're with. I take with back and... everything I just said about yeah, your right. neighbor. Your neighbor's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I love this guy now. He's a good neighbor. He's, brilliant. he's, a, no, he's, he's like good your neighbor. best neighbor ever. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good neighbor. He's a business owner in town as well and uh, also has a real estate license, so he can save himself a couple bucks. But the truth is, when it comes down to this, this is one of the investments that we often find people are comparing Color Diamonds against. They might say, look, I've got $100,000, $150,000. i would like to put into a nice big property, get a return on investment, build it up, rebuild an investment, or I might put it into a colored diamond. One will allow you to sleep peacefully at night. The other will allow you to sleep peacefully at night once it's done and you don't have to stress about it. But what we don't add up is all the time commitment, all of the non-financial things that we put into the building of that speculative property. Just alone, our time is more valuable than it's ever been considering how hard it is to put our few pennies that we have to work in a market. So when it comes to colored diamonds, this is a particular market that's easy for me to make the decision to share with my friends and family. My friends and family are all invested in colored diamonds. I think that everybody out there listening should be too. I think that you'd be crazy not to be calling Guildhall Colored Diamonds to find out more about how colored diamonds can benefit you long term. And I think you'd be absolutely nuts based on what I'm seeing in the real estate market right now to be speculating with your family's money, Hmm. not knowing what's going to happen. Just type in Toronto Real Estate and News in Google if you want to see the negative news of the day. And that is just two months now of year-over-year pricing drops in homes and demand falling right off the scale. And and this is a market that doesn't get bubbly. There's just not enough product out there for that. You in know, colored yeah. diamonds. In colored yeah. diamonds. Makes so sense. So this is a long-term, long-term growth type of atmosphere where you're. this is for someone who doesn't want to chase after bubbles. And I'm not pointing a finger at which bubble. I'm just saying this is not where you have to try to find where you're going to get a thousand percent in a year type of type of investment. This is you buy the right diamond, you put you you know you put put money away that you can put aside for 10, 15, 20 years. The longer you hold it, the more you make. So consider that as part of the process. And uh you know we've seen we've seen the the rise in demand we've seen the difficulty in acquiring more rare diamonds out there and of course we also love the fact that you can put this into jewelry and that you can enjoy the the wealth while it's growing and we we do title that wealth to wear but you can have stunning jewelry made in this market and just before we go to break i just want to give a, a little quick tip when it comes to colored diamonds you know, white diamonds, if they get dirty, you lose a little sparkle. Sometimes in colored diamonds, you lose the color as well as oils or creams and things like that get on top. So it's very important to keep a diamond nice and clean. Oh, wow. um, you get a lot more attention when you're wearing it. And we can see that cleaning up a fancy yellow, as an example, can make it look just 
the, the color looks that much stronger once it's nice and clean. It's decadent. So it's important to keep the, the diamond nice and clean. What do we got coming up there? When we come back, we're going to touch on the uh, topics of silver again, as we had started in the first two segments. A little bit about how it, silver is diversified industrial metal and where that demand is coming from and whether or not we're going to see a continuation in 2017 of the new trend of declining supply. One eight seven seven eight silver is that number, guildhallwealth.com, the precious metal advisor, the investor kit, how to use your registered accounts, colored diamonds, it's all on that one stop, guildhallwealth.com. You have the e-store in the top right corner as well. And if you're using your uh, registered accounts to get into physical metals with Guildhall, uh, $25,000 U.S. invested or more, you'll get five grams of gold courtesy of them as well. More details, lots more of the show coming up. Real Money Show, Talk Radio, AM640. One eight seven seven eight silver is the number, guildhallwealth.com, your registered accounts to get into physical metals. That is a good place to start. Jeremy, give me some more detail on that, and margin accounts as well, right? Yes, yeah, so we assist clients to hold physical precious metal in registered accounts, your RSP, your TFSA, your LIF, your RIF, your RESP, which we have to talk about uh, quickly today, Darren, and it's fully allocated. It's unencumbered. Flash crash or not, you you own physical precious metals. It's there. Uh, you will benefit from the the massive uh, boom in precious metals that we're expecting. Um, we think that the price is going to be moving much much higher. It's a very at this point supply is very limited, very tight. We're going to talk more about that um, in this last segment. But we help people buy physical metal in their registered account. You can even go to the vault and personally audit your holdings. I'm doing that tomorrow morning actually with a client. Um, just going to show him his serial numbers, give him his inventory report. That uh, and uh, here are the serial numbers. Here are the bars. Uh, take take photos, whatever you need, and see the security of the building. And of course, we've just added to our roster of investments allocated, financed margin margin accounts or margin accounts. And what that is is we we work with Questrade to do this to offer this. And basically, the client is putting up um, a, a good down payment whether it's 40% or 50%. And within a margin account, you will get the other 60% or 50% lent to you mm-hmm. in the market. And, we'll, and we can go through this with our clients. We can send projections and, and just break down the math of how it would all work. But what it allows you to do is, at, especially at this lower price, is to have more, mar- more metal in the market at this time so you can capitalize on the on the price movement right. to the upside. Now, it's not for everyone. There is a little more risk involved. Uh, we do our best to try to limit that. Questrade does their best to limit it. We want to see every client be successful, so it's not for everyone. We notice that this is a very popular investment for people who already own precious metals, that they've got a good portfolio of physical precious metals, and now they're looking for another leg up, another way to take advantage of the market. Maybe they've been accumulating for the last two, three, four years years and they feel they've got a great position and now they say okay how do I really position myself now to take advantage going forward Mm. you get yourself an allocated physical margin account so again this is all physical allocated segregated you get your serial numbers it's unencumbered uh, silver or gold you can even go to the vault audit your product hold it in your hand but you get the benefit of a margin account which means as the price is rising, you're making twice as much. And when I went through the numbers yesterday with a client, just as an example, the cost of doing business, if silver didn't go anywhere or if it only moved up you know, $5 in the next five years, okay, we kind of 
broke even on everything. But if silver goes to $36, we're ahead in the market by like an extra $15. So mm. it can be um, a very successful way for people to get involved in the market. Just give us a call. We're happy to go through it with you, uh, show you that type of investment, or show you how the registered accounts work, how that can work for you. And of course, the RESPs, right, Dan? I think that the RESPs are one of the biggest and most underutilized opportunities for investors in all of Canada. This is an opportunity I have and many of my colleagues use on a yearly basis to just give a little extra to their children in terms of their college and university funds. It has a whole set of unique uh, and dynamic fundamentals that are built into this type of account that we can discuss at greater length when a client comes to us. But it's really the foundation, serves as the foundation of what your son or daughter might use for their post-secondary educations. And somebody that's entering into high school right now, what a great chance they have to top up an RESP on a yearly basis. And not only that, but get up to a certain extent, uh, you get a, a percentage matched by the Canadian government. So for buying gold and silver, you're going to get more gold and silver. And it's basically oh, right, right, because right. the government matches up to a certain percentage, right? I think it's up to about $2,000 a year you can put into the RESP and they'll, uh, they'll match up to four or 5% of something like that. But again, the details we can run over when a person comes in, but these accounts are great. And if you're buying silver right now at a very undervalued price and the price of silver jumps up to 20 or 30 or $40, imagine what impact that has on your child's future education. You already know that your children are going to have a difficult time trying to get ahead in life, trying to get a career position. And it's more common than ever to see children nowadays getting four or five careers before they get their foot in the door at a good company. Well, I maintain always and always will that the best foundation and the best planning will produce the best results. And I think that all starts with having not only a great diversified investment portfolio, but understanding how beneficial these things that the Canadian government has set up so long ago can be to your overall investing portfolio. one eight seven seven eight silver is that number, guildhallwealth.com for more information. You know, if you think about uh, 15, 16 years ago, the price of gold was trading around $300 an ounce. U.S. now it's over $1,200 an ounce. It's done exactly what you would want in an, in our RESP. And now you have to think, okay, with all the debts in the world, uh, with the lack of supply of, of precious metals, which we're going to get right back to, where is the price of gold or silver going to be in the next 15, 20 years? I mean, silver was trading under, four, under $5 an ounce 15 years ago, and today it's trading around $16 an ounce. So again, in, a, in an RESP uh, going forward, that could be a fantastic idea. All you have to do is give us a call. We'll show you how that would work. And the gold gram promotion would still apply to that as well. So okay. for every $5,000 invested up to $25,000, you are going to get one gram of gold in your RESP and RSP and any registered account. Again, one eight seven seven eight silver and guildhallwealth.com. Calm, Darren, you talk about supply and demand. In the uh, Guardian this morning, I read in the environment section, says electric cars to account for all new vehicle sales in Europe by 2035. Electric car means battery. Battery means? Silver. Tons. 100%. Absolutely. And this is already happening. We're seeing it transpire as one of the new industrial demand centers for silver. And albeit, people need to understand right from the get-go that there's not copious amounts of silver put into every battery. These are in some applications, depending on the size of battery, very small parts of the battery made up of silver. But that being said, when you start seeing whole countries, whole nations, right. whole states or provinces 
adopt these types of policies where they're having a move to have clean energy running through their vehicles and having electric cars on the road. This, by all accounts, tells us and gives us a, a, a complete a complete picture of what the potential of silver is as an industrial metal. Think back just to the 70s and look at the normal uses, usages. You had photography, you had jewelry, you had coins, and then you had silverware. Those are the four big ones and right there. the medical there. industry to some extent. It, right? It's a little bit back then metal, medical photography wasn't as advanced as now, but in this day and age, even though we've lost photography in the old school sense and we've adopted digital photography, You've got a booming number itself. of usages, right? <laughs> you've got the the cameras, you've got the digital uh, everything, and that has just basically expanded to laptops, cell phones, computers, cars, dishwashers, microwaves, you name it. Silver's being put in all these things now, and it is experiencing uh, the second most demand as a resource only behind oil. Oil's in everything. Our transportation of everything that we buy, eat, wear on our back, the things we use, we do on a daily basis, everything that we have is touched by oil in some way. So to think that silver is second only to oil, it's crazy. It's it's unbelievable. And then add to that, as we said in the first segment, it comes out of the ground as a byproduct primarily of gold, copper, zinc, and lead mining. 80% 80% of it on a yearly basis. So we've already told you that there is definitely going to be a, a drop-off in that, but it is it is like talking to a brick wall sometimes when you're talking to bearish commentators, which usually are the case when you're looking at mainstream media. They refuse to see this story behind this paper price, this artificial paper price. So for me, it's a very simple thing, John. When I look at this and I realize how great an opportunity we have in gold and silver, I run, not walk to places like Guild Hall, which are experts in this field. And I get some of this into my portfolio. And I say to myself, look, Maybe I hope that I never have to cash in the insurance policy in gold and silver. Maybe I hope that the world doesn't crash down on my shoulders. I don't really want that. But if there's any doubt about where we're heading in the near future, about what your money can do for you, about whether you should be in the stock market or own real estate, do what you think is right in your heart, but have an insurance policy. And gold and silver is just that. It's physical at Guildhall. It can be bought and stored in a depository. It can be taken home. It can be put into the margin account that Jeremy was just talking about. Get some real, real boom for your dollar there. It can be how you can have all of these. We talked about the RESP, and it all starts with just going online or calling us and getting in touch and knowing more about what your money's doing for you. And again, you know, just uh, wrapping it all up, we know that given the lower prices here, there is a major physical shortage of of product. You know, we're backordered on on not a large amount of product here at Guildhall, and we know that our wholesaler, you know, they put the priority on the registered accounts first. They have to fill those orders. We've been asked on several occasions in the last uh, several months to to lend product to the wholesaler to be able to fill orders, and the orders that are coming in from the major mints they're majorly behind. So when you see a low price, it's got major physical consequences. And my biggest concern is that when the market starts rising and people and the mania hits and people want to get involved, that they're going to have six, eight week 
delivery dates. So yeah, you can have physical product, but you might have to wait two, three months to get it. You have to get it now so you don't have to worry. Start the relationship. And also, just as you were saying, Darren, you know, you can listen to the mainstream media. It's great. Buy the myth. Buy the narrative. That's all great. But a show like ours is showing at least another alternative uh, vision out there, an alternative idea, giving some other information to try to round out the the worldview on the economy and some opportunities that are out there. Give us a call. We're more than happy to help everyone with getting some physical metal in your portfolio. one eight seven seven eight silver Again, that number, guildhallwealth.com. As Jeremy mentioned several times during the show, your registered accounts like the RESP, RSP, and TFSAs are available to uh, use to get those physical metals in that account. For every $25,000 uh, U.S. invested, you'll get five grams of gold courtesy of Guildhall. Natural Fancy Color Diamonds, that website as well. For the high-res photography, and that requires and should be followed up with a visit to see the fellas uh, as well. Again, that number, one eight seven seven eight silver guildhallwealthcom It's been The Real Money Show, Talk Radio, AM640.